Welcome back to another episode of the BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. This is Matt Gall joined here in the coaches' offices at the Newman Flanagan Center with head coach Mark Sfigera. And uh, Mark, this is our Thanksgiving episode, one of the best episodes of the year because we get to talk about something that we, uh, I guess I was going to say we never have a chance to talk about, but I think it's all we talk about, and that's our uh, Thanksgiving food options. And we'll probably get to that a little bit later, but just real quick right at the top, uh, just let me know, kind of let our listeners know kind of what's on the uh, menu. Give us a preview. Well, I'm going to repeat what I've said before, and I probably said this last year. I think Thanksgiving's the most overrated food day of the year. Um, you know, there's just not a whole lot I get excited about. And, you know, you're talking mashed potatoes and gravy. Nah, it's fine. Stuffing, I'm not into that. Turkey's good. I like cranberries. I like pumpkin pie, but it's just not – it would never be my first choice if I were to plan out a big meal. I don't think anything on the traditional Thanksgiving menu would be on my menu. Yeah, and I actually did remember that, but I just figured I need to get you on record again this year since that probably goes against popular opinion, but you're certainly entitled to that too. So uh, I guess to get started, why don't we talk about last week's games? Um, and, you know, we talked on the previous episodes about kind of getting off to a hot start and how once you get into conference play, uh, you never know what you're going to get any given night. And last week, you know, uh, the team faced a little bit of adversity uh, going 0-2 to Mount Marty and Dorton. So let's start with the uh, game against Mount Marty last Wednesday night. And this is a team that you had said, you know, has a little bit different look than, than what we've seen out of Mount Marty or even from other teams in the conference. Uh, a lot of GPAC teams rely kind of on a, a motion offense, a lot of times similar to the things we do. Uh, and it seemed like their game plan was to really come out and rely on one-on-one matchups to get in the lane and have outlets available if, if they needed to dish, but just rely on a lot of quickness and athleticism, and that really seemed to, to serve them well. Uh, what what did anything catch you off guard about this team, or, or was it just you know they just it was their night and they were quick and, and they just got by us? Yeah, no, I don't think anything really caught us off guard. You know, we we knew they were good. You know, watching it on film and and having a pretty good idea of what they were going to try to do, and and we knew going in, you mentioned they had some really quick athletic guards, and and when you're at a a quickness disadvantage, you can you can survive that if you're really good fundamentally, if your closeouts are good, if your on-ball defense is good. Um, we weren't. You know, I thought we started the game pretty well. We got a ton of stops in the first five six minutes and and had an early lead. And then they kind of got going, and, and I think you see this a lot in basketball. When, when good players get a couple easy looks, which we gave up early in that game, the harder looks get a little bit easier for them. And, and you look at their point guard, Chris King, who I think is a, a great player. I thought he got a couple easy ones early, and then in the second half he's hitting step-back threes. And, you know, we're watching film of it, and it's like, that's good defense. It's just better offense. And, and so – you know, it was a frustrating game to, to score 96 points and, and get beat, and I, I thought we did some really good things offensively for the most part, but um, we just we couldn't string together enough stops to get, uh, to get it done. And, and so you have to, like any time you lose, I think you have to give credit to, to Mount Marty because they came in here with a great game plan, and I, I thought they did some really good things and, and at times did frustrate us offensively. But, uh, you know, we, we need to be better. And, you know, the next time we play them, we're going to have to have a, a better plan or, you know, an alternative plan to what we did this time because it just wasn't good enough. 
Yeah, like you said, it, you'd get it down to five or six, and then it seemed like they would just hit one of those jump or one of those step back threes with a hand in their face, kind of leaning away, and it would just drop time after time. I think they shot sixty-two. Yeah, they they shot an unbelievable percentage, and you know, and from three too. And you know, you look at again. I'll look at our offense in that game. We shot fifteen for thirty-one from three, and I don't know. You'd have to go back a long time, I think, to to see where we lost a game shooting the ball like that, and and so. You know, and, and I think you said it. We cut it to five. We had been down 16. We cut it to five and and had the ball. And I thought, man, you know, this is the possession. We hit a big shot or we, we get fouled and score a couple points, and, and we're right back in this thing. The crowd's going get, to get all jacked up, and, and we ended up turning it over on that possession, and, and those are devastating possessions. But, you know, the I think the bigger issue is let's, let's not build ourselves that 16-point hole to have to come back from. So let's talk about then the game on Saturday up at Dort. Like we talked about, that's always a tough place to play, uh, and, and uh, this week was was no exception. Uh, we had things pretty tight at halftime. I think it was one or two point game at halftime, and then uh, in the second half, things just got away from us. That final score of that game was eighty-two to sixty-three. Um, you know, a, a, a tall, big, tough defensive team. Uh, what were the things that, you know, you think kind of got away from you in the second half? Well, I think, you know, the first thing was at, at halftime, you know, we were down one, and we'd played much of the first half with Austin Roteman and Ethan Friedel on the bench with foul trouble. And and then later in the half, Sammy Green was into foul trouble. So we were we rode a couple dudes some heavy minutes in the first half, and, and I really thought we'd weathered the storm. And, you know, we, we had some – some careless turnovers. We we gave up a couple offensive rebound putbacks, and I thought if we could clean that up, we're going to be just fine. And <laughs> tell you what, they they came out second half, and and we got a couple good looks early. We missed a free throw here or there, and 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 missed a couple shots. But Dort really really came at us on you know on their offensive end, and and they really tried to pound the ball inside. They're you know just overall strength. You know, they, they, they have a big size advantage on us, and, and that's something they tried to exploit. And at the end of the day, you know, and maybe it's just how, how my brain works, but we weren't great by any stretch defensively on, on Saturday, but they did shoot 43%. You know, now we fouled them a little bit too much and, and gave them some points at the line, and we gave up too many offensive rebounds. But the reality is in the second half, we just had a really hard time scoring. And, 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 you know, again, you have to give Dort a lot of the credit for that. But, you know, we were missing shots at the basket. We had a couple of wide open looks from three. And it, it felt like for much of the half we were down eight or ten points. And we could just never quite get back under eight. And, and the possession that sticks out to me was we had, we had just gotten a stop, kind of had a transition situation. And we got a, we got a great look from three. Austin Roman's as wide open as he's going to be. And it, it rattles in and out. And it's just one of those times, like I said in the Mount Marty game, that shot goes down all of a sudden. It's like, okay, we're, we're over that hump of eight points. We're back. We need a couple more stops, a couple more scores. We're right there. And, and I think they went down and hit a three. And, and, and then they extended the lead. And, and you know, it's, so it's, it was frustrating because we had such a hard time scoring. And, and you look at the two games on the week, and it's like, I think ultimately, I don't think, I know ultimately our defense, you know, let us down on Wednesday. And, and really, our offense let us down yesterday, and that, and that's uncharacteristic for us. And you know that is a credit to Dort. They're they're big, they're long, they're physical, and I thought they had a really good game plan on on how to guard us. But uh, you know, 
you lose sleep at night looking at some of the shots we missed or a couple of the turnovers we had. And, you know, I, I think you said at the beginning, when you face adversity, it's it's about how you bounce back. And, and it wasn't wasn't any kind of lack of effort or, or anything like that. And even from an execution standpoint, I think a lot of the things we were trying to do, we executed, we just didn't finish the plays. And, you know, that's basketball sometimes. But, uh, you know, you go into this and, you know, last week we're talking about a, a game winner and, and we're 7-0 and and, and now we're 7-2. and two And it's kind of like, you know, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth one time. You know, and, and we got punched in the mouth this week. There, there's no – there's no way to sugarcoat that. And, and what I'm excited to see is the kind of resiliency that I know our guys have and, and the toughness they're going to play with and, and how we bounce back because, it, you know, it, it's not going to get any easier. We go to Dakota Wesleyan Tuesday, and, and I think they're one of the elite teams in the country. And, you know, so we're going to need to be ready and, and have short memories and, you know, take, take two losses for what they are. They're two losses and, and opportunities to bounce back now. So before we get into this upcoming week matchup with Dakota Wesleyan, we thought it was only proper to bring back uh, one of the most popular guests from the podcast last year, and that's head coach of the Dakota Wesleyan Tigers, Matt Wilbur. Uh, and coach, you know, I know, like I said, you're one of the more popular uh, guests on the podcast last year. We kind of measure our guests in terms of the most listens we can get for each episode. And so I think at the end of the day, you're maybe top five. But I'm not certain. Coach Figueroa, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, Wilbs, I think you're top five, and, and I think you should be disappointed in that. Well, I mean, uh, I, I'm a little concerned about if I'm one of the more popular guests, I'm a little more concerned about the podcast popularity at this point <laughs> right away. You know, like if, that's, if, I'm, if I'm the one driving people to this podcast. Well, you know, you, I think you should also, all that aside, I think you should be honored because you're only the second – recurring guest you know nick oh, nelson like was on twice and so you're only the second one who's been on this podcast twice well that the, hey that's big time i'm pretty i definitely feel honored with that then you know i've been working on um i i can't you know it's been a year i i can't say i've been working hard on my podcast ability so i hope it i hope it at least goes somewhat as well as it did last year but i don't have any more experience than i did the last time you brought me on <laughs> So, Coach, uh, let's just kind of get into this season. So far, you guys are 5-0 and on the year. I think you're currently ranked sixth. Uh, so I know you came in, uh, and there were a lot of expectations for the conference as a whole, like we've talked about on this podcast before. But you guys, you guys are kind of right in the mix, as was uh, probably expected. Um, and so, so far this year, you've had one home game. It looks like uh, we will be your second home game coming up this Wednesday the uh, 26th at 8 o'clock. But why don't you just talk a little bit about your first five games of the year. You have a couple nice wins, a buzzer-beater win against Dort, a uh, nice win up at Jamestown. Um, so, like I said, 5-0, and 3-0 uh, and in the conference. Why don't you just talk about what, what, uh, what's been going on with your squad so far this year and what you've been happy to see and some things that, that you think you guys maybe need to tune up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, like it, it, it's crazy. It's crazy college basketball. Every year you do it, um, uh, it, things are just different, and you just don't know what to expect all the time. And we could be very well sitting here talking to us and be three and two. Um, we stole one at Dort uh, with with Ty making a buzzer beater shot where we just hung around long enough, um, and that game could have gotten away from us at multiple times. And that's not just coach speak. It's just how it goes. You know, the ball, the ball bounces certain ways. 
and then you find yourself down five with a few minutes and you make a couple of shots and then all of a sudden a guy misses the front end of the one and one and you're down one and 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 Hoagland and Hoagland pulls off a running hook shot to go in and you win a game and then you just walk away and it's well it's just one and all right and then uh, and then up at Jamestown we got off to a great start we're up 15 and a half and they came storming back and uh, tie game back and forth couldn't you know they miss a, they go one for 16 from the three point line which is not characteristic of that team um, and you hang on for a win and uh, and either of those games are frankly coin flip games down the stretch. Um, and, and you end up pulling them out. So I guess I probably credit that to, and I think Coach Laguerre would say the same thing. You know, when you got juniors and seniors out there, um, especially on the defensive end, uh, you probably feel better about your team um, when you're getting stops. You know, those guys, they're just, when you're coaching upperclassmen, uh, the, the defense just doesn't need to be coached and babysat as much. Um, I think the offensive end probably always does a little bit, but you guys, when your guys are through it, um, they just know and they make the right plays more often than not. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we're sitting at with the conference. Um, we won at home against Midland, and then we have a couple of other non-conference games uh, that we that we won early against Dakota State presentation. Um, I, I, I would say I think our defense – um, is way ahead of our offense so far and what we've seen. Um, that's obviously going to get tested as we move forward and, and, and bringing in, you know, the, the Chargers who are uh, always fun to guard and get ready for. Um, but, uh, you know, like, we've got some things we still got to get a lot better at if we're going to be, you know, be a team uh, down the stretch that we want to be. So let's talk about the Chargers coming to town this week, like I said. And uh, one advantage that you guys have this year that you haven't had over past years, well, I guess I guess maybe you have uh, with some other people on your coaching staff, but you maybe have some inside information uh, with, with a new addition to your coaching staff this year <laughs> with, uh, with a guy who uh, our podcast listeners certainly got to know very well last year. And, uh, yeah, and that's uh, a former student coach here at the Cliff, Bobby Beach Patterson. Uh, he's now a GA on your on your. Uh, coaching staff over there how's it been having bobby on board how's he been doing uh has he been as much of a delight for you as he was for the briarcliff campus well the uh uh the the, the first part of this is like dakota wesley and briarcliff this is you know it's been an interesting city it seems like we're trading guys all the time around here it feels like you know shipley was down there and it just feels like we're we're a little bit too close all the time and so we brought bobby on um from a, from a low recommendation from his head coach, I had to go against what his head coach. I'm just kidding there. That way I'm not going to even go down that. Mark Mark was big time in talking about him and getting him up here, um, uh, and and he's been great. I, I'll tell you what, he's been great. I mean, he works his tail off. He wants to be in coaching, um, and when you have guys on your staff that want that, you're you're just going to get you're just going to get uh, another level of effort from him, and that's what he wants to do. Um, I will say. I will say I think he's still a little uh, shell shocked from working from for 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 coach. Um, I, I'm I'm guessing the sarcasm ran pretty thick in the offices behind the scenes. Um, he tiptoes around me still a little bit more. I'm trying to get him to loosen up. Um, I, you know, I, I'm only six feet tall. I know he had to deal with the giant in there all the time, just just riding him with everything he had going on. So, Will, are you saying I'm sarcastic? <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, I am. I am. I'm just straightforward saying that you're sarcastic. And, and this is a guy who doesn't spend every waking moment with you. I mean, I can only imagine what some of your guys have to deal with behind the scenes um, on other times. And all in good fun with that. But, like, Bobby, Bobby, uh, Bobby put out that put a tweet out if you saw this um, and it was with Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines and there was this redheaded student manager and Harbaugh comes walking towards this guy and the kid was smiling and laughing and then immediately freaks out and straight face and walks away from Harbaugh when he sees him coming and so uh, Bobby said that was me with Coach Figuera every day and so I I'm trying to get him to loosen up a little bit coach I'm, I, I'm really trying but he's doing a great job yeah and I and I wasn't going to give Bobby the benefit of acknowledging that tweet at all I didn't respond to it I never said anything to him number one I was kind of disappointed he, he lumped me in with Jim Harbaugh um, but number two I just don't like to give him the satisfaction you know, and, and I guess while we're on the topic of Bobby, maybe it's just a Bobby thing, or I don't know what kind of rules you have for your staff. But is it a is it a requirement that you have to have a beard on staff at Dakota Wesleyan right now? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if I don't think Bobby's even capable of of, <laughs> of of doing something like that. I know, you know, like Coach Brandel, Coach Brandel is you know the the red beard around here. He's rocking that at all times. Um, my mine mine was. Mine was a little bit more of we were playing terribly and I didn't shave and then we won a couple of games and our guys started barking at me about not shaving and I just haven't uh, haven't shaved it and probably more probably more to my wife hates it so that's probably enough of a reason to keep it at some time so you know like uh, so just to give us something to argue about here and there with my beard so but no it's not a requirement but I think if it was I don't think I would have been able to hire Bobby. Well, I just I asked because he sent uh, he sent myself and I think uh, Eric Erdman and Brian Forbes a a selfie yesterday when you guys were on the road and it was a picture of himself mean mugging the camera and he said I'm oh, yeah. he said I'm channeling my inner coach Sfagera and it looked like he had something going on on his chin. Hold up, you're right. He just came in and I just saw him and he he clearly has some kind of beard growing here. <laughs> so like uh, yeah, I mean we we have to we have to clarify that we're going to use a. Lo- yeah. We're gonna use a loose interpretation of the word beard. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very loose. That's very loose. You, you definitely, to get a really good look at it, have to be probably five, six, or under. So, like, you know, like, you're, you're not, you're not seeing anything from the cheeks. So, oh, that's great. So, so Wilbs, you know, I always look forward to coming to the Corn Palace for a couple of reasons. You know, one, I, I, I always think you guys have a great student section and. Unfortunately, we're probably not going to have that because you guys are on break this week. Uh, number two, the smell on the stage for the soup feeds that they always have is awesome. And now you're telling me before before we started recording, you told me that's not happening Tuesday. So no, I, I guess no. the only thing I can really look forward to at this point is maybe a bat flying through the gym. You know, the with the corn palace you bring up the smell of soup feeds and and food coming through there imagine imagine practicing in there every day i mean our concession stands the the corn palace is a public is a public building and it's free to the public and it's open regular hours so you know like that concession stands open all the time and we're very well known obviously for popcorn so you're talking about a legitimate 
popcorn arena smell at all hours of the day in there. That, it's tough to concentrate. You know, it's tough to concentrate as you're going. And then you and then obviously, you know, behind the scenes, there's just food everywhere all the time in that place for whatever reason. Um, and yep, the, the every once in a while the bat, which I'm a huge fan of bats. I mean, I, I just I can't get enough of them. My house, wherever. Uh, that's just I just have way too many experiences with them. I need Shipley around more often, obviously, because he's like the bat whisperer, I guess. And, <laughs> and uh, the, what, how he handled the, how he handled the last incident in the Corn Palace was really impressive. I mean, that probably got that probably got watched more on replay than any of your offensive sets will. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> and, and let me ask you this, because I, I know the answer for myself, but in your career of college basketball, you know, dating all the way back to a player. Has a crazier thing happened in a game that wasn't related to the game that you've been a part of? Well, the, yeah, the, I, no way. The, the the bat, you know, like the uh, the bat crawling up, like people were freaking out. I heard people screaming uh, be, before before Shipley illegally killed the bat. It's illegal to kill bats if we didn't know this. Yeah, it's a pretty like, hefty fine like, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah there, there's, uh, he got away with something there because it was on camera and everything. People could see it. But the thing was, the thing crawled up and touched my shoe. And I about, <laughs> like, I about lost it. I Because I heard people, I was like, you could hear the gentle roar getting louder as it was getting closer to me, but I didn't see it. And then I looked down and it's right there. About, I about lost it. I about went over the side of the scores table. Uh, and then and then it was flying around. I was gonna. I was hiding under chairs, and Shipley just dots this thing with a, with a, uh, 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 a whiteboard. Like, give me a break, you know. So, no, and you know, and this is coming from a guy who played in games where jackrabbits are getting thrown over your head, right? You know, like uh, when I was at playing at Augustana, and and SCSU would come into town, our student section would sneak dead jackrabbits, frozen jackrabbits, and and chuck them out onto the court at any given time. So. Yeah, the bat was a fun incident. Yeah, it was something else, and I, I have a little bit different recollection of it because I, I saw it swooping, I think before you did, and I I kind of stood there in amazement, and then I saw it land, and you you and I made eye contact, and it was just like, what the hell is going on here, and and then it started flying again, and it swooped at me, and it, that was the first time I moved. I ducked out of the way as as fast as I can. And and by the time I turned around, Shipley had it on the floor already. Yeah, yeah, and and in classic Jake Shipley form, didn't even break a smile. Didn't, <laughs> I mean, just just straight up, just got up, just very nonchalantly went over there and just nabbed it, killed it dead. I yeah, mean, and and, just, and the ovation from the Corn Palace, which was actually led by Ty Hoagland. I mean, he was getting that place <laughs> jacked up after Shipley killed the bat. I mean, that yeah. that was. If, if I'm not mistaken, Kramer had a tip dunk that was pretty nasty in the second half of that game, but the loudest that place was all night was Ty Hoagland getting the crowd jacked up because the bat was dead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, nobody wants to deal with those bats in, in any, kind of, any kind of enclosure when there's people running around. I mean, I, I've had them in my house a few times. I don't know if everybody deals with this. I don't know if this is just part of being a homeowner that bats are going to be flying around, but I've got three to four incidents too recent and recent here in Mitchell like I just don't understand it and I can't deal with it you wake up in the middle of the night and the bat's flying around your head and you're already delirious and so as quickly as Shipley disposed of it I was a little embarrassed of how long it's taken me to get rid of bats in my house because like I said I think he's the bat whisperer at this point 
So, Coach, getting back to the upcoming week, you know, one thing that's kind of unique with us having opposing coaches on uh, the show here is that it gives us a chance to, to kind of get inside your head a little bit as you start to plan for Briarcliff and, and scout us. And we're, you know, obviously this is a rivalry that has been pretty intense the last several years, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, what do you, you know, what do you, have you noticed about this year's edition of the Briarcliff Chargers? And what are the types of things, you know, at a high level? I know you obviously don't want to get too deep into your game plan here, but what, at a high level, what are some of the things you've noticed and what are some of the things that you think you're going to need to plan for? Well, it, it, as always, um, you know, like Jackson's been there. Jackson's been there for a few years, but he's playing at an amazing level. Um, you know, he's playing at a player of the year uh, caliber just on on the on offense and 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 is more dynamic this year um it looks like all over the court as opposed to being being a complete specialist right you know like that's that's you know he, he's probably the best shooter in the conference anyway um but adding you know what he's doing off of the dribble what he's doing around the rim um and and with with having to absorb that load after after jay and eric have left and, and having to take over the reins of that, and 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 Briarcliff still, uh, and those guys still scoring at the same level that they've always scored. Um, that's really impressive. But that's also a credit. Um, that, that's not, you know not just because I'm on your podcast, um, but that stuff we would we say behind closed doors and say to people around and just the system that 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 they run and that uh, the Chargers are running um, is so hard to guard. Uh, guys are always ready to play, and guys are always ready to play offense. Um, it's ridiculous to see how well the underclassmen always play for Briarcliff uh, because it's not easy just to step in and play college basketball and to be effective. And so, um, you know, like when you're talking about getting prepared for them, you've got to be prepared um, to guard a system and then be prepared to guard it faster than you could simulate it at any given day when you're trying to get ready in a scout you know you can you can walk through it and run through it with your guys and you can prepare as long as you want but um i know how much work they put into it behind the scenes and how much time is dedicated in practice to it so you just you you're just it's just so hard to prepare for but um you know ethan friedel uh had also um, is playing at a higher level. His shooting percentages are higher than they've ever been. Assist to turnover ratio. He just he's just had a really good year um, for them as well. And then they're just you know like you go through the you know as a as a coach you go through the team box scores. You know you go through them as closely as you can. Um, it's just ridiculous what the numbers are as far as shooting percentages, especially behind the three point line, and especially for how many of them are getting shot. You know, they just have, they, you know, the, 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 it's just a, it's a really talented shooting group. So, um, you know, without getting into just straight up ease and what we've got to get done, it's probably pretty easy to decipher and, um, and to dissect what, where we're going to need to be good at if we're going to have a chance to win. You know, and I, obviously coach, I, I agree with you, you know, Jackson's had an unbelievable start to the year for us. And obviously we're really proud of how, He's changed his game and added to his game and, and taken on a bigger role this year as a senior than he has before. And, uh, you know, I, I think this game is going to feature two of the elite players in the league in, in Jackson Lamb and Ty Hoagland. And, and Ty's a guy who's, who's probably he, – he's definitely had a different route than Jackson had. He's kind of been a guy for you, one of your main guys since he got there. You know, but I – Ty's one of my favorite players in the league as I look out at other teams – 
and, and I say that because he's a dude, but he, he's also a great kid. You know, you want to talk about Ty and what he's meant to your program and all that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, 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 anybody that watches, uh, you know, you see you see Ty's performance on the court, and he's obviously tremendously skilled, and his numbers have backed it up. Um, you know, he was fortunate walking into our program. Uh, we had, and we, we still had a senior point guard that year was Tate Martin, his freshman year. And Tate was the runner-up player of the year that year. He's a first-team All-American. He's the all-time leading assist guy. And and Jason Spicer was a junior. Um, and, and Jason Spicer's senior year, he was the runner-up player of the year and, and led us in assists. So Ty, is, Ty, his first couple of years, had first-team All-Americans to play with, right? So he had an easier route where he wasn't getting all of the attention, even though he was really talented and scored a ton. So getting getting going right away was easier for Ty, um, just with some of the guys he played with. But behind the scenes, and I know you've got guys like this too, because just from, we've talked enough, but you could just see guys, you know, you're, you're talking about guys like Eric Erdman and um, and Jay Wolf and, and Brian Forbes and, and guys that have come through your program as leaders. Um, that's what Ty is for us. You know, like um, every workout, uh, I get you get the same Ty Hoagland, man. You, you, you see the energy and passion Ty has um, playing the game and what he does on the court. He's got the exact same energy in a summer lift. Um, and and that's, that's rare. That's not normal. Um, and that's stuff that, as a coach, you're just blessed and thankful to have because that just that is going to rub off all across your program and with your guys. You hope your younger guys are watching with a very close eye of this is how this needs to be done um, because that's what he's been uh, in every day that we have it going on. He just he just doesn't have an off day, and and because of that, he's on all the time, and he you just. He just hasn't had many off nights uh, for us, uh, and I think that's because of how he goes about every day. He's uh, he, my wife. Um, my wife, who's the volleyball coach here, um, and, and she's she's uh, two offices down from me. And I, I, when she got hired, I initially went, "Am I going to get some kind of like raise or compensation for having to be working in a hostile environment now?" Like I would, I went into our athletic directors asking about that, but her, sorry, sidetrack here. She she's like, Ty, does Ty ever go to class? You know, is he ever in class? Because he's always over here, and he's always in the gym. And you know guys that you have in your program that are like that, and that's why Ty's been great. Yeah, it's awesome to have kids like that. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So, Coach, another thing you're probably getting prepped for, this is our Thanksgiving episode, so we got to ask, uh, what are your Thanksgiving plans? What's on the menu? What are your go-tos when it comes to uh, a, a good quality Thanksgiving meal? Uh, yeah, you know, I can talk about that. This year is going to be a little unique for us. We're going – with our team um and uh we go we play in a classic we play in a classic uh, uh on saturday and sunday um out there and it was probably a terrible schedule by my part because the teams are really good we're gonna have our hands full um going on the road and playing a, in a thanksgiving classic but um our starting point guard nick harden um uh, we're gonna play about 20 minutes away from his home so he'll be able to go home for thanksgiving which all we have so many local guys that see their parents and families all the time um this will be nice for nick to be able to get out there so i also my my older brother um lives in chicago so my mom and dad will be out there i'm taking my four boys and my wife we're all going on the bus together so we'll probably be spending some time with them 
Um, but I think we're probably I'm as traditional as they get, man. I mean, it's 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 turkey stuffing and and uh, and un, and uh, and mashed potatoes. No onions. I got no time for onions. I, I, I I'm a complete child when it comes to that. There's nothing fact, wrong with I, that. Well, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I I, I think uh, I think uh, uh, a great restaurant idea may be you know, I've, you know hey. Just the name of it is No Onions. And if you want to add an expletive in there in between the no and the onions, um, just what, what people know what they're going to get when they come to the restaurant. Like everything our onion hater has ever wanted to eat, we got it without onions. That, I think that would be a brilliant marketing idea. Uh, you know, potato salad, yep, no onions. All right? <laughs> you, you, you want an, Ar- an Arby's beef and cheddar, you're not going to be surprised when the bun comes loaded with onions on top. There's no onions in our buns, okay? So, like, like this is this is just stuff that, this is just stuff, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. If you don't like onions, I, maybe you'd agree with that, maybe not. No, I think you're on to something because I'm an, also an onion hater. So I, I think you're on to something. And that's crazy to me for being kind of a food snob that you are, that you would be an onion hater. Like, I would think maybe that would be that would be right up your alley. Well, it's not that I won't eat onions. I'd prefer not to have them. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and I don't know if food snob's the right word for me. I think. Okay, I was probably being a little critical. I you know, I, was, I it, thought we were in a free. I thought we were in a safe space on the podcast. Yeah, you, yeah, we're 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 in the trust tree here. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's you know, it's kind of like your no onions thing, Wilbs. You know what you like, and and you find something good, you stick with it. That's kind of how I am with food. And if if that makes me a snob, then I'm a snob, and I'm I'm good with that. I'm good. I'm glad, you know, I definitely felt the level of hostility raised maybe a decimal point here, so I'm glad we got that taken care of in the podcast because very few conversations we have, Mark, don't get elevated at some point. So that, I'm glad we were able to knock that, that That's out. correct, and I... And I, if I got to bite the bullet for raising it, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because I think we have some similar characteristics personality-wise. And it's uh, it's not all that hard to get either one of us fired up, <laughs> especially if the other one is trying to invoke that. There's no doubt about that, Coach. One thing I want to ask you about, because I know I know you're a, a pretty competitive guy, just from watching you on the sideline and then from talking to Coach Figuera too. And last year at the national tournament, I know Coach Figuera took his guys bowling. Uh, I know when they were down in Arizona last winter, they did some top golf and some other things. So what are some of your go-to non-basketball related competitive events that you use to kind of separate the men from the boys in your program? Oh, we're, we, uh, uh, we're, bowling's a top one for us too. Um, I mean, it's not even bragging. I'm in, I'm in a top three every year. It's not like I'm in a league. I think we just have bad bowlers in our program. I, I just don't think we recruit to that sport well enough if we're going to do it as much as we do. Um, the, but we we got a lot of kickball activity going around here. Um, guys like that. We When Tate Martin was in the program, you would see you, there was a regular soccer match going on at any given time between the guys. Um, uh, I You know, I still uh, I still run around and I play baseball a little bit. South Dakota's got an amateur baseball system. I'm I'm old enough to hobble around um, and uh, and still do that. But uh, yeah, I think anything with us turns competitive. You see a lot of stuff before you know in practices. Ty Holdland, you know, like this guy's this guy's got a running tab with me on on trick shots and miss shots, and he's always giving me odds on 
all these stupid shots that he tries to pull off and make and um he's down big but that's just him that's just him and his individual you know just that's just tied being tied so we're i think we're probably pretty typical from everybody else i think we're probably probably pretty typical well, Coach, it was a pleasure uh, having you on, uh, and thanks for doing this. You know, I, I think it's awesome that we have coaches in this league who uh, are willing to come on and, and kind of come behind enemy lines just to, to talk about the sport, talk about the quality of this league, talk about your squad, what you think of ours. Um, and I know our listeners really enjoy kind of getting that uh, getting that side of things too. So appreciate you coming on. Best of luck to you the rest of the way other than two games. And yeah. uh We'll, uh, well, we'll see you Tuesday. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And, you know, just uh, from behind the scenes, from people who listen, um, our league is really cool about that, though. You know, the coaches all get along really well, even though they want to kick each other's tail every time they play each other. And then when you see these guys who graduate, you know, like um, you see Shane Graves around or you see Brian Forbes out and about, it's, you know, guys that you compete against and you're like, come on, man, you know, like, and it's, it's just really cool to, to get out there and talk to guys because we all have a lot of the same type of kids, and they're good kids um, that are doing good stuff. So um, it's fun to be a part of the league, so I have no problem doing stuff like this, and it's always good to talk to you guys, so I appreciate it. Hey, Wilbs, thanks for coming on. We'll see you yep, Tuesday. Yep, yep, we'll see you. Take care, guys. Take care. All right, Coach. Well, now that uh, Coach Wilbur's off the line and we can talk a little bit more candidly about uh, – you know how things are going to go we can get rid of the political correctness and the uh, camaraderie that we just talked about but uh what what do you expect i mean you know that's that's kind of a dumb question because we know dakota wesleyan is going to be good we know uh typically they're they're a very powerful offensive team coach wilbur just said you know there's some things they're still working on there uh, but he said they've really tightened up on the defensive end this year so you know does that kind of does that make sense with what you've seen on film yeah absolutely you know you look at their defensive stats and and some of the things that we look at as a staff that you know are really important we're, we're big on points per possession and and they're they're at an elite level right now from that standpoint and you know going up to Jamestown which is a hard place to play and a, and a good offensive team and they held them to 65 points and one for 16 from three they do a really really good job of guarding on the perimeter and, and they do a really good job of contesting at the basket without fouling I, I've always been impressed with how Dakota Weslin hardly ever is in foul trouble. And, and that's obviously something they're doing with their program, and it's, it's having smart players that, that, are, that are executing what they want. But they do a really good job, and, and so they've been hard to score on. And, you know, now I, I think he might be full of it a little bit because I think their offense is really good. You know, and when, you know, they have one of the elite players, not only in the GPAC, but in the country, in my opinion, in Ty Hoagland. And he's a load to deal with. He's really, really hard to guard because he can score at all three levels. He can score off the bounce. He can shoot it. Um, he's got a mid-range game. And, and so he's hard to guard. But they also have some really good shooters around him. You know, Nick Harden's, you know, the second-year point guard for him. That's really good to get into the basket. They have a couple guys who can really offensive rebound. And so they create a lot of issues for you. You know, it's like you try to focus on Ty Hoagland the whole time and three other guys are going to beat you or you're worried about these other guys and, and Ty Hoagland has 41, which he had on us last year. But, uh, you know, they're really good. And, and it's a game that we're going to need to be locked in defensively to the game plan. And uh, we're going to have to be efficient offensively. I think that's the biggest thing. We're, we're going to need to – we want to get the shots we want to get. And, and we don't want to settle for the shots they want us to take. And, and that's going to be a big thing for us. But, you know, it's always a fun place to play. It's become a really fun rivalry. And I know we've talked about that before. 
Um, you know, we already hit on the bat again, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat the dead horse there. But you know, never know if a bat's gonna fly through the corn palace. <laughs> but it, it's 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 a fun game to play, and it's always a big atmosphere up there. And and so we're we're looking forward to that. And and like I said a little bit ago, this is an opportunity now to bounce back. And and I think we're we're gonna learn a lot about our ourselves here over the next. Well, we don't play for another week after this, but we're over the next week or so, we're going to learn a lot about ourselves and, and the kind of resolve and resiliency we have, and, and there's no doubt in my mind that it's going to be high. So we'll look forward to getting up there, and, you know, it's always always good to have a little pregame banter with, with Coach Wilbur as well. All right, transitioning out of basketball, let's, uh, let's go now to Coach Figueroa so he can share one of his uh, world-famous life rules with all of you. Coach, what are you thinking this week? Well, on the topic of Thanksgiving, and it's, it's now well-documented, my thoughts on Thanksgiving food, but when you're at a gathering like that and there's a buffet line-type setting, you don't have to go all gung-ho on your first time through. You know, you don't need to load five pounds of food onto your, onto your you know, paper plate. It's not going to hold. You can go back. It's a buffet, you know, and, and you're going to piss off other people behind you because you're taking so long to get your food, and they're hungry too, so, you know, just fill your plate and move on. You don't need to overfill it, overload it, anything like that. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question because uh, Thanksgiving is a time when you tend to load up your plate. Do you have any rules as far as how you organize the stuff on your plate? Can the hot touch the cold or does hot touch the meat and then you put the cold on the other well, side? The big thing is, is the seepage of the gravy can cause issues. I certainly don't want gravy on my cranberry sauce. And I do love I love a good gravy. That that's probably the highlight of Thanksgiving dinner for me. Um, but I don't want it on my cranberry sauce. You know, some people put it over everything, and, and more power to them. But I, I don't want it touching my cranberry sauce. Anything else, fine. I'm not going to get too uptight about. So I guess it's probably a gravy and a cold thing. All right. So I've also got a couple uh, champs or chumps to throw your way. And the first one I'm going to ask is uh, when you handwrite a note to somebody or handwrite a message or whatever you're just handwriting something filling out a form whatever it is uh champ or chump using cursive instead of whatever you call manuscript is that what you call the other thing cursive instead of manuscript two things before i answer the question actually just one thing so after we played at dort on saturday I had a chance to swing by one of our former players' wedding reception. Blake Wilchin got married in Lamar's. was on the way home. Saw a ton of our alums. And the topic of the podcast got brought up with some of them. And I was called out because my champ or chump answers are too long. And so per Clay Harold and Corey Hobbs' recommendation, I'm gonna, I will not be expanding on my champ or chump. You'll get a one-word answer from now on. So that's also a preemptive shout-out section to Clay Harold and Corey Hobbs for, for calling me out and trying to better the podcast. So can you repeat the question because I forgot it now. Using cursive in everyday writing. Chump. Critiquing a podcast when you're supposed to be at a celebration. Chump. Preferring the fall to the summer. Chump. All right, so three chumps, no champs this week. Uh, that'll do it. Why don't you guys, if you're listening to this and you have some champ or chump thoughts, get those sent in to us. Also get your listener questions sent in. I was pretty light this week. But uh, you know where to find us. You can find us at BC Buckets Cast on Twitter or email us at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, like I said, if you have a question, a comment, uh, champ or chump, you want to get coaches' life rule on a particular uh, subject, get all that stuff in because that uh, helps us give you the, the content that you want to hear. So with that, we're going to go to our listener questions and comments 
And uh, Jay Wright, seems like we're always talking about Jay Wright. He's a very active listener and participant on this podcast. And actually, I text Jay about that. I told him his questions have been great to keep him coming. And I think his response was, I have too much time on my hands. <laughs> that may be, but we, we appreciate it regardless. So Jay actually sent in a question and a comment. Let's do the comment first because it's a follow-up from last week. Uh, he just commented that Jimmy Chitwood would average 37 a night under Coach Figuera. Uh, and no chance would Figueroa ever use Jimmy as a decoy. I, I think that'd be tough to do. He'd he'd be, uh, I think, in bold with a circle around his number on most scouting reports. So that'd be tough to do. But maybe the first game or two, if you get him in as an underclassman, and, and most people don't know him, especially if you're recruiting out of Indiana. I'm guessing a lot of GPAC coaches might not know about those kids. Yeah, that's a good call. So I'm going to go to Jay's question now. And uh, this, just another great uh, Hall of Fame type question from Jay Wright. He says, let's hear it. What would be your NBA Jam duo of Briarcliff alums? And, and before you answer, Coach, uh, he says he's taking Galvez and trimming him because uh, he needs a shooter and a dunker. Hashtag boom shakalaka. So what are you thinking? Well, number one, we're talking about one of the all-time great video games in NBA Jam. And for those of you that don't know, it was two-on-two it was two basketball, and there was a, a high premium put on dunks and three-point shots fun game NBA teams were on it and there was just two players for each team and then on the later edition tournament edition they had a third option so you could swap out one of your two starters for a third option but uh, we're talking original NBA jam just the duos and I thought about this question because I, I saw Jay tweet that out and and it actually stemmed from there was a podcast out early last week that was kind of analyzing NBA jam and, and and double dribble was actually talked about. I don't know if you remember that, Matt, but that was an early video game basketball, and, and they basically said that was the first analytics in basketball because double dribble was just corner threes and dunks. But anyway, to get to the question, I'm actually going to defer to Coach Schultz on this, and I asked him what he thought about this. And uh, he said, in his opinion, and I'm going to agree with him, you have to start with Frazier and Galvez. They're the two best players that have played here. And, and Frazier can dunk just fine, he said. <laughs> so I'm going with Rolando Frazier and Mario Galvez. Fair enough. Anybody? So if you had to put a team from the last 20 years against those guys, Briarcliff guys, uh, based on your knowledge since you've been here and, and any knowledge you have of Briarcliff before that, what would be the, the best two-man combo to put up against those guys? Who would keep it closest? Let's put it that way. Well, they're not like we've been – putting out a whole lot of high-flying dunkers the last certainly decade but if if you're gonna go on Jay's recommendation of needing a dunker and a shooter I think you're gonna want Matt Berg on there he would be a good NBA Jam player and then you know take your choice of some of the really good guards we have you know I'm gonna throw Erdman on there I think he'd be a good NBA Jam player so I'm gonna go Eric Erdman and Matt Berg all right, so a great question, Jay. And, again, if you're out there and, and you've got something you want to ask or a comment or just something you want uh, Coach Figueres take on, please get those questions in. Uh, we will be recording the Sunday right after Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, if you're sitting around on Thanksgiving Day and, and having a debate with some relatives about anything non-political related, uh, shoot them our way because we can help settle those arguments for you. So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. If you can get up to the Corn Palace on Tuesday night, uh, make sure you do. Women will play at 6. Men will play up at 8 up in Mitchell, South Dakota. Should be a great game. Uh, probably be a quiet gym like we talked about with their students being on break. But uh, always a unique 
fun atmosphere to watch a basketball game. So try to get up there. Otherwise, we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening.